Now, Scotland's talking. Call 0333-2020-401 and join the debate. Hello, good morning and welcome to the Easter Sunday edition of Scotland's Talking. I'm Ali Bally. On the programme today, I'll be asking if we're sending too many children with additional support needs to mainstream schools. I'm absolutely terrified that Kenny's not going to be kept safe and he is going to come to harm. We hear from a mum who has a son with severe autism and she says she's terrified he won't be able to cope. Also, whose side are you on with the climate change demonstrations this week? Were they justified in bringing parts of Edinburgh and London city centres to a standstill? It was amazing, it was incredible. I got very emotional because they were really willing to put their bodies on the line for something that really matters and um, cause some disruption. And who says politicians don't keep their promises? That's wrong that families should feel like that and that women should feel like that. And if that helpline has been closed uh, after only one week, then uh, as soon as this programme's finished, I'm going to ask for it to be reopened. The next day, NHS bosses did a U-turn. You'll find out more as the listener who put her on the spot comes back on the programme today. This is Scotland's Talking. If you'd like to join us, 0333 2020 401 is the number. Scotland's Talking. The podcast. First on the programme this morning, ask the question here. Are we sending some kids to mainstream schools when it's not the best place for them? Stephanie Ross from Glenrothes has a four-year-old son, Struan, who has severe autism. She applied for him to get a place at a specialist unit, but the request was turned down because education bosses think he should have access to bigger groups. But Stephanie's been telling our reporter, Selena Jackson, that she's worried for his safety if he has to go to a regular school. Strain had a diagnosis of um, autism, uh, global developmental delay um, and sensory processing disorder. He's currently under investigation for a learning disability. He is completely non-verbal, like, I mean, he wouldn't even be able to tell you his name, like, he, he says nothing, um, so he's not really got any way of communicating with people that don't know him, and, um, like, he, he is still in nappies, like, he isn't anywhere near toilet training, and, like, he's not able to say when he needs to toilet or, you know, when, when he's done it. So, he's been allocated a place in a mainstream school. Do you think that he'd be able to cope in that environment? I don't think Struan would cope because I'm led to believe there's 20 odd in the class and Struan doesn't cope well, like in large groups, he needs to have smaller groups and he doesn't cope loud, uh, with loud noises, um, like he needs more one-to-one, like smaller smaller groups. So I just I feel mainstream is not going to be an option for Struan. If anything, I feel that it's, it's going to set him back further. And obviously you're pushing for him to get a place in a specialist unit. What kind of difference is there with those sorts of facilities? What can they offer that a mainstream school maybe couldn't? It's um, There's four classes in this unit um, and obviously it's, it is smaller groups. I think there's maximum maybe eight to ten in a class. Um, so they have the class teacher. There's a number of PSAs. Um, I think there's maybe up to three in the room. They learn more about life skills, about keeping safe, whereas mainstream students not going to be able to sit down at a desk and, and learn. And what reason have Fife Council given you for not giving Struan a place in this specialist unit? They said they had placed him in the mainstream to um, allow him access to bigger groups, even though it clearly stated on the application that Struan didn't cope well in large groups and, you know, if, if the area got too noisy, like, he would have to leave and go to, like, a common room, but 
that that was in black and white and they've, they've totally ignored it. And how concerned are you by the thought that he might not have access to these facilities that he might need? Yeah, I mean, like, ever since I found out that he's to go to mainstream school, like, I'm sick with worry. It's, you know, it's for his own safety. Like, he's got no concept of danger or, like, he doesn't know how to keep himself safe. You know, if a gate was open, a door was open, he would wander. If he got to a road, even if a car was coming, like, he would keep going. So, you know, I'm absolutely terrified that Kenny's not going to be kept safe and, like, he, he is going to come to harm. Now, Fife Council told us Struan will have daily outreach sessions and a part-time support assistant. They also say they aim to place children in mainstream education wherever possible and will deal with the appeal through the established processes. Katrina Murray is a retired special needs teacher and discussed the issues he might face with our reporter, Niall Murray. Why is it so important a child with autism gets the right support in school? A child with severe autism requires support which is appropriate to his needs to ensure that they feel happy, secure and safe in their learning environment and achieve to the best of their potential. And why would being in a mainstream school not be beneficial? Autistic children can experience significant social, emotional, sensory and communication difficulties which can be difficult to address within a busy mainstream environment. What problems may a child like Struan encounter in a mainstream setting? Schools and classrooms can be very noisy and busy for these children and everyday day routines such as the playground, the dining hall, transitions within the day um, can be very challenging and unsettling to them. And just how difficult is it for a child like Struan, who's non-verbal and not toilet trained, to be in a mainstream environment? Individual support and supervision would be required throughout the day to ensure that he was safe and happy and he understood what was happening in his environment. Scottish Autism's Deputy Chief Executive Charlene Tate tells us it's an issue that she's seen before. Getting the right placement for a child is absolutely critical. Um, We've undertaken recent research around uh, the experiences of autistic children in school along with other partner organisations and what is really concerning is the amount of changes of school that some children have had and some still continue to be excluded um, formally or unlawfully from schools because they're not coping and the school's not coping with them. So just like any child, it's extremely critical that autistic children get the absolute best start that they can in a place that meets their needs, where they feel safe, relaxed and able to learn and that their parents feel they can establish a good relationship and rapport with the staff to get the best for their child. You know, it's interesting that on this programme before, we've, I've certainly heard from, from parents who have been going the opposite way. They've been campaigning to get their child into mainstream schools rather than the, the opposite way. But parents, and like Stephanie there, knows their child, surely. And, and even just listening to her, really her appeal there, saying, look, you know, he's non-verbal. He's, he's, he's not toilet trained, he can't speak, he can't talk to you when he needs a toilet. So therefore, going to a mainstream school, what will that do for him? Um, you know, and I, I, I understand where she's coming from. Is this something that maybe you or somebody in your family have come up against? Have you had experience of this? 
or, or were you the opposite? You wanted to get them into a mainstream school, but your local council wouldn't. As I say, this one is referring to, to Fife Council, but it might just be something uh, that you can help with um, by, by giving some advice here or giving us a bit of your story. The number is always to give us a call on if you'd like to share any advice for uh, Stephanie uh, and four-year-old strewn there is O treble three twenty twenty four o one O treble three twenty twenty four o one. Should the council have the last word on this? Are, are they doing it for their own convenience rather than, you know, saying um, this that uh, young strewn here should be um, given a, a special place in the special unit rather than mainstream school or is it because they don't have the money to expand the the, the special units what, what do you think from this if you've you've got a thought that number again is 0333 2020 okay let's go on the phone lines then and Alison's there hello Alison how are you this morning oh I'm lovely it's a beautiful morning sky's shining so everything's happy rather nice isn't it yes it so- is it's lovely making the most of it so what's your point today? My point is my son has Asperger's, which is on the autistic spectrum. And we, well, I get a hell of a time from uh, Clyde View School because the headmaster at the time uh, talked to me in an exceedingly patronising manner and strongly suggested that I take my son out of mainstream school uh, simply because it would be far better for him to be a big fish in a little pond, being the special needs unit, rather than being a little minnow in a big ocean. Now, I thought, and she, she, she went on and on about Martin's best interest, and when I actually came down to it, I said, Martin will be allowed to stay in mainstream school. Martin will be sitting his exams. He will be allocated extra time, as is allowed and he will be provided with either a reader or a scribe. And she kept humming and hawing, and eventually I got it out of her, and she said, we don't want Martin sitting in his exams because it'll affect the school grades. Really? Now, that was, I was so, really, I mean, talking to somebody like, I mean, we know Martin isn't, and blah, 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 and it came down to the crux. Eventually she came out and admitted it will affect the school grades. And I said, well, I don't care about your school grades, but my son will have the experience of being at school. He's coping. He's doing everything that he's supposed to do with a wee bit of support. Martin actually got two Bs and three Cs. Now, if he'd been taken out of school, if I had listened to a so-called professional trusting her with my son's education, my son would have gone to a fantastic special needs unit but it would have come out with no qualifications whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You see, that that's the, the question, as I said, that uh, came to my mind when listening to what Stephanie was saying about four-year-old Struan. She, she's fighting in the fact that she doesn't think that sending him to a mainstream school at this stage is the right move for him, but Fife Council are determined to put him into a mainstream school. No, so, so no I, would, I would completely agree with her there. Uh, my pal has a non-verbal autistic son, and uh, why put a ch- and he gets stressed. Uh, he's now actually left the system uh, when he turned eighteen, and she's got him now full time at home, full time care. But uh, putting a child through that, 
every child should be treated as an individual mm-hmm. and every child should be given that opportunity. But how patronising to say, let your son be a big fish in a little pond. Yep, yep. And that's from somebody that's on 40, 50 grand a year, a professional head teacher. And how has, I can't say I was impressed. How has your son progressed since then? My son has gone to college. He has got a, a qualification in drama. He's also become an extra. He's a, being an extra on things like Outlander. He's been in River City. Uh, he's been in quite a few TV programmes. And that's his thing. And he's absolutely loving it. Do you think that would have happened if you'd listened to that teacher? No. 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 No, my son would not have been... Every child needs encouraged and motivated. And not everybody's going to be academically brilliant. And you have to accept that. that that's Your child isn't going to be the next uh, Einstein. But every person has a gift. And whether that gift is academically or whether it's working with animals or whether it's doing his thing, being an actor, he's under no stress. He walks on, he does his bit, and he walks off. And he's got a, self, a sense of achievement and a, self, a sense of pride in himself that he has gone and pushed for this. Mm-hmm. I've, I've certainly supported him, but nine times out of ten, he's gone ahead and he's done this himself, and I'm there at his back, obviously. But children should be encouraged and motivated, and this affecting school grades, that's not fair. That's just not fair. Every child should have the same opportunity with regards to their capabilities. Alison, thank you very much indeed for, for uh, sharing your experience with us this Sunday morning. Thank you. Uh, the number again, if you'd like to join us, 033-2020-401. You're listening to Scotland's Talkin', the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talkin'. Asking the question... Uh, this morning, are we sending some kids to mainstream schools when it's not the best place for them? Trish says, I feel that children with special needs should have both experiences, spending part of the time in mainstream school and part of the week at a specialist school. Monitor the child's progress, spending more or less time in the mainstream school depending on the development. That's a great suggestion, Trish. Thank you very much indeed for that. That's on the Facebook page. Just a reminder of various ways you can contact me. Uh, love you to come through on the phones. It is a talking, like speaking to you. Sunday morning, Easter Sunday. Uh, 033 is the number. You can text 61054. Start your message with Ali. Hashtag Scotland's Talking and email Ali at thegreatesthits.co.uk. Let's go on the phone lines. And it's Marjorie. Hello, Marjorie. Hi. Hello, Ali. Good morning. Um, what I wanted to speak about is that there is different types of autism. My grandson has Asperger's and ADHD, and uh, he, he um, went through mainstream schooling. And um, at the beginning, um, going back twenty odd years, uh, nearly twenty years ago, and at the beginning they didn't they didn't seem to understand it. And he was in mainstream school, and he was always put in the corner. And it was a shame. He used to come home and say, "I get put in the corner again." You know, uh, I was a bad boy, sort of thing. And um, 
I think he just found it hard coping with a big classroom um, of kids. He didn't like a lot of noise when he was a toddler. Um, when he went into places like McDonald's and things, babies crying, kids, it was too much for him. And I think that was he found it hard going into school like that and coping. But he didn't get the support from the teachers. Um, he came from a school in, um, in Renfrewshire and he didn't get the support from the teachers. He was always the kind of he was caught and he was in the corner sort of thing and it was when he went to high school we decided we made it quite clear at the parents things that he had autism and we didn't want the same thing happening we didn't want his schooling getting ruined um high school wasn't much better i don't think for him um but he got through it he got passes he didn't have to study he, he was very very clever so he didn't have to study he got passes but he could have got he says now he could have got top marks but he he just didn't try he kind of gave up i think right. but he went on to college and we didn't know how he was going to cope with that and he coped great he said it was a lot better than school and now he's at uni and he's, he's in his second year. He's been straight into second year. He's missed first year because of his college results. Straight into second year, and he's finishing second year this year, ready to get into third year. He's doing computing, um, and he loves it. But a lot of kids with autism, they all have a gift. They all have something that they're very good at, I find. And um, if they can uh, pursue that, what they're good at, they will do, do really well with it. But I think sometimes education... Does let them down. Do you think and going? He, I, do you think going back, Marjorie, that you know, back to when he was, um, let's say, in primary school, do you think it was a yeah. lack of understanding by the education authorities and teachers at that time? You know, when when you were saying he was put in the 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 corner for for being bad, etc. What was that? Just a lack of understanding from teachers, who, you know, and, and yes. the education system. Yes, exactly. I definitely think that's, that was the problem. Um, I don't think they fully understand. And, of course, I can understand the teachers in a classroom with 30 kids, and there could be quite a few of them with ADHD, and then one or two with autism, so it, it can be hard going. But they always said that they would have another support teacher there, but that wasn't happening, I don't think. Um, and it was the same when he went to high school. They said, oh, he could get support and things like that. But he wouldn't ask for it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so he just soldiered on. He never asked for any help or things like that. You know, and I don't. He never wanted to be singled out. He wouldn't would like me no, no talking about him just now on the radio. But he never liked to be singled out or made out that he had anything wrong with him, because he always wanted to be treated as okay. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And as you say, you know, he has that special talent and. If computing is yeah. is it, and uh, you know that that's great, that's fantastic that he yeah. because and I mean, you know you know we, goals, but, sorry, so, sorry, he's got his goals set higher than that. You know, for he, when he comes out, you know that's you know, so he knows what he wants to do. What is and, his goal? You know, what is his goal then? Well, he would love to work for you know these companies that make the computer games. He, he knows the names of them, right? Of course, yeah, and that it's it's big companies. And that's who he wants to to work for. He right. says that's where the big money is, and and they can travel and things like that. So, and he's met up since he went to uni um, and college. He's met up with other 
he's not one for mixing. Um, so he doesn't ha- find it hard going out. He doesn't go out with pals and things like that, like, you know. But what he does do is, if there's one of those exhibition things on, then he'll meet up with people and go to something like that. I right. mean, he went away down to Birmingham, and we thought he'd never do that, and he did it. Well, so, you know. I tell you, he, w- he would love the new exhibition that's just opened in the, the V&A in Dundee. Uh, the new V&A. Oh, is it Dundee? Yeah, the new V&A right. in Dundee has got a... The, the new uh, long-term exhibition is uh, gaming, which a lot of companies... Um, I, I mean, Dundee is, is huge in gaming and, and uh, these these games and things. And that's the, the new exhibition at the V&A. It's all uh, to do with gaming okay. and um, what it's gone through in the years past and, and where it's going. So I'm sure he'd love that as well. So recommend, oh, recommend that one too. I thought it was Edinburgh, and I had texted him last night saying I thought it was Edinburgh. But um, I would say to any parents out there, don't give up because your kid has got a gift, um, and they, they are very, very clever, um, usually. So they, they will get there in life. You know, they just need a wee bit of encouragement um, from the family and everything. But also, I think the schooling needs to be... Um, more educated or more support. Mm. Um, one teacher in a classroom is not going to cope, you know. So they, they have to have more support in the classrooms. Marjorie, uh, thank you very much indeed for coming on and, and uh, all the very best um, to your grandson as well. Jackie, good morning. Hi, good morning. Good morning, good morning to you. Good morning. Hi, hi there. Um, I've got a, my son, Patrick, who is 10. He has autism and global development delay. Um, the, the thing I would say is when you, well, you've met one child with autism, you've met one child with autism. And the 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 thing about autism and the spectrum, it's huge. So every single child is different. So you can't um, say, you know, um, all autistic children should go to an additional support needs school right. or they all shouldn't. There needs to be, the the thing for me and the thing that helped us was early intervention and it's getting the educational psychologists and board, on board at nursery um, so that they can obviously, they, they need to do loads of reports, speak to loads of the professionals who do assessments to identify where your child should be placed. Um, and, and I'll be honest, you know, um, Patrick diagnosed when he was two and I had I'd heard nothing about autism. Now I'm an expert because I've had to find out everything myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, the best advice is parents learn from other parents and you learn from experiences. Um, and you, you just, it's a continual battle. You know, every, every day you have to fight. You need to be, um, and I'm lucky, I'm quite confident I can speak to people and, and you know, and, and sometimes you need to demand resources for the people who aren't. Um, as vocal, it's, it's very, very hard. You, you really need someone fighting your corner. Shouldn't be that um, way. It shouldn't be those who shout the no. loudest, is it? It shouldn't <clears throat> be that way. No, it should absolutely shouldn't be. But the, the, that's the reality, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And it's you know you you talk you hear budgets and um, cutbacks. As a parent, I'm not interested. I'm only interested in getting the best for my son. Yep. So that that's that's the way you you know it makes you quite hard. What I will say is, um, when when he first um, when he went he was in mainstream nursery, he's still he's still nonverbal, but that's he can communicate great, and it's because um, from nursery he was placed in a, a a specialist nursery, and then it was school, 
And and my idea at that time was, oh, I, I want him to go in mainstream, but it would have been the absolute worst thing for him because, as your previous lady, um, the caller said, eh, they, they just don't have the staff. There's one teacher can't cope. You know, one teacher's got 30 kids in their class, probably about nine of them have got some form of additional support needs. That teacher can't cope. So we're, we're, I'm I'm very lucky now because Patrick's and he goes to Redburn School in Cumbernauld where he's got practically one-to-one support, and that's a you know that that's brought him on so much you know he's came on le- leaps and bounds, um, but that that's my my only my thing is you've you know you've met one child with autism you've met one child with autism yeah. we, we we can't um, every single child needs a different. We call it assessment, but it, it, you, we need to look at um, what they can do, what they can't do, what what need, um, needs to be put in place to help them reach their full potential. Because again, they, they will, they will, but only with early intervention. Right, that, that's the absolute and, and a lot of support, obviously. Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And you just, you know, you, the, the teachers are, are absolutely great. It's a hard, hard job. It's a very emotional job. But they, I mean, the, the the dedication they give to our kids is is amazing. Can't praise them enough. I'm one of the lucky ones. I know that. Jackie, thank you very much indeed once again for coming on um, and giving us your experience. Ask the question this hour: Are we sending some kids to mainstream schools when it's not the best place? For them, if you've got an opinion, here's the number: or treble three twenty twenty four zero one. Scotland's talking the podcast. Are we sending some kids to mainstream schools when it's not the best place for them? Uh, Amanda tweets in. She says, "My son coped till primary five when he couldn't any longer. Thankfully, we found another school and he's doing well. Inclusion policies are risking." Failing Our Kids. Amanda, thank you for your tweet. Uh, on Ali Bally Show Facebook page, uh, Liz says, Ali, good morning. Would like to comment on children with autism and others with difficulties in learning. I think they deserve the best in education. But to send them to a mainstream school would worry me as the other children who don't understand why these children are the way they are could upset the children in question. It's a difficult one for all involved. Thank you for that, Liz. Uh, another comment here. Uh, quite the reverse, says this one uh, on Twitter. Uh, too many kids who are not autistic are being sent to special units. It's bringing a bad name to people with genuine autism. Autism is starting to become the excuse for bad behaviour. Right. Thank you for that. That's on uh, Twitter there. If you agree or disagree or you've got a comment, here's how you can get in touch. Uh, we shall keep this comment going, this uh, subject going, of course, as we always do throughout the whole programme. Uh, you can get in touch by giving us a call, uh, 033 uh, You can text, and the text number is 61054. Start your message with Ali, and the email is ali at thegreatesthits.co.uk. And, of course, if you are a Twitter then you can send your tweet to hashtag Scotland's Talking to keep that subject open uh, throughout the rest of the programme. Uh, coming up in the next hour, I'd like to ask the question, um, what do you think of the climate change protesters? Where do your sympathies lie with all these protests this week? They've blocked up the North Bridge in Edinburgh. They've taken over London. 700 of them have been arrested um, where do you lie 
with this. I got one in uh, an email already, and it says here, um, Martin Luther King didn't rage against the machine in his famous speech. He spoke of love and the unity of spirit through creative protest. I too have a dream to live on a planet where the food we eat, the air we breathe and the water we drink are not contaminated by the byproducts of a planet raped and pillaged of its goodness by greedy, spiritually devoid money men. Ali, we need to halt this moral decline. There is no planet to be. There you are. There's just one comment to get us off and running on that subject. Um, You know, but somebody said to me the other day, have you seen all these unwashed, all the unwashed people and the, the hippie students are protesting? They need to go and get a life. Well, that's what they're trying to do. Is it not? What do you think? Here's that number again. If you'd like to call us and give us a thought on that, 033-2020-401. And also in the next hour, we'll go back to to last week's programme, just very briefly to talk about where we were when we had Health Secretary Gene Freeman uh, taking your calls last week. And one of the topics that came up was the scandal around NHS and Tayside treating women with breast cancer with lower doses of chemotherapy than other areas in Scotland. And uh, uh, we'll just go back to what Jean said and also we'll chat and get back on um, one of the callers, Lee Dennis, who uh, came on and, and put a couple of questions to the Health Minister. So that's all coming up. You're listening to Scotland's Talkin', the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talkin'. Where do your sympathies lie with all the climate change protests this week? As I was mentioning earlier, it kicked off in Glasgow on Monday with banners being unfurled on the Finiston Crane, just beside the Clyde. But by the next day, they were occupying Northbridge in Edinburgh. The group called themselves Extinction Rebellion. Mim Black was one of the organisers and spoke to our chief reporter, Hope Webb, for Scotland's Talking. Five and a half hours. Um, the police presence was pretty heavy. There was, I can't even count how many there were. Um, we had, in the end, 32 arrests, and um, yeah, they've all been taken to various locations. So yeah, we're pretty happy. How did the arrest happen? Because when I was here earlier, it did look pretty peaceful. Was that as a result of people kind of going onto other roads? Um, yeah, so today was really peaceful. Um, at one point, a few different people went onto the roads, onto different roads, and um, held banners and stopped some more traffic, and they were arrested pretty swiftly. But um, the majority of the rest happened when um, the police told us to leave Northbridge at about 7 o'clock, half past 6, and uh, 24 people sat down and refused to move. Uh, so, yeah, they pretty quickly escalated that and um, told us to leave. We didn't leave, so we kept disrupting and kept uh, holding the road. Uh, and then they were just slowly carried off. And they were actually put into a Lothian bus. Lothian buses picked all the resties up and took them to the police station. So, What was that like to see that take place? Obviously, you knew that that, that was a possibility, but to see all of those people, I guess, even at once, sit down and take a stand like that. Yeah, it was amazing. It was incredible. I got very emotional because uh, I respect and love all of them so much. And, um, yeah, they were really willing to put... Um, put their bodies on the line for something that really matters and um, cause some disruption so yeah and it did cause a lot of disruption I mean there was bus cancellations delays people were struggling to get 
what over what is quite a, a main thoroughfare in Edinburgh, is it worth it to to, to spread the message? Um, yeah, hundred percent. Like we want to create disruption. We want people, we want to disrupt business as usual because um, continuing on as we are is really going to put us in a bad situation um, around the world. We're already facing um, serious climate change, and yeah, it needs to happen. And um, yeah, we're just following the footsteps of all the other groups that have um, in the past that history is that people in the past that have uh, changed history and changed the world, they've engaged in mass participation, non-violent civil disobedience, which is what we did today. We want to create disruption. Yeah. 32 arrests held the North Bridge for over five hours. As I say, caused disruption to businesses, caused disruption to people going about their daily business. But she was delighted. She was happy with it. And in London, there have been over 700 arrests, with police having to remove activists from the top of a train. The activists would say there's no bigger issue than the future of our planet. But do you think their tactics are justified? Your thoughts, please. O treble three twenty twenty four o one. Tell me what you think. John, good morning to you. Good morning, Ellie. You should be yourself. You should be on top of that train. Because today, we're in a, we're in a planet, Ali, and it's got to go on for a, a long time. And There's it's a lot of people on these protests. They're on a different planet, John. <laughs> no, no, but we, Charlie, the planet we're on now, if we don't look after the planet we're on now, and thousands of years, it's, it's total destruction. The seas are rising, and the whole thing's changing, Ali. We're going to do something. Why do you have to protest? And get, why do you have to get arrested to protest? The government should have done this a long time ago. They've let it go too far. They've let the seas... They've let things happen too much, Ali. They've let things happen. And the public have got to protest. And when you protest, you get put in jail. What's the, what's hey, the, the, the majority of them haven't been put in jail. That's where they should have been put. They're causing di- disruption to day-to-day business. Ali, the disruption. The planet could be destroyed. What's the disruption? The, few, the trouble is... There's too many cars on the road. Everybody's what a load of nonsense. Here we go. The car driver again, for goodness yeah, sake. The car driver. Absolutely Ali. not. Ali. Get on your bike, John. <laughs> Ali. Tell you, the car driver, I, I just don't get, I don't go with this one at all. The car driver's created all the pollution. One at all. The car driver's created all the pollution. Oh, no, no, I'm talking, I'm talking to myself now. I'm talking to myself, right. I'm going to cut you off because you're you're obviously giving me feedback there. Uh, let's go to John Bissett and see if he's any better. Hello, John. A very good morning. A warm, happy Easter to yourself and your lovely wife, Lorraine. Thank you very much indeed. As, you can, uh, as you've heard, I've got her working today. I can understand that, and I clap my hands to you. <laughs> She's answering the calls today. Moving on swiftly. Moving on swiftly. What's happening uh, with the protesters, one has to protest climate change. I, I'm, I'm looking at into the future with Mystic Meg here. It's a wake-up call for the government, Ali. No, it's not. They're not going to pay any slightest bit of attention to some unwashed people sitting down their bridge in a road, you know, causing... Ca- why, if they wanted to protest, why didn't they go to an empty park? Why didn't they just sit down in the grass and have a chat amongst themselves and a wee smoke or whatever they're on? Oh, for goodness sake. I don't know. Why, why, why do you agree with us sitting down, John, and causing chaos? Well, the thing is, they shouldn't be causing chaos. But they are. But 
They but at are. the same time, I'm all for protesting if it's something to do with ecology of the planet. I mean, surely, Ali, you, you know, ecology of the planet. Sir David Attenborough, I mean, I don't know if you watch his programmes, but that shows... Some of it, but I don't, I don't believe everything he comes up with. Well, well come on. I mean, the, the, the oceans are full of plastic balls. Yes. You know, and basically, you go to a beach... And I'm no kidding, you don't have to go far, just go to the Broughty Ferry. Luckily, we've got volunteers that go down there and collect all these uh, empty plastic bottles, you know. Why can't we create a, a, called a bottle bank again, where people can actually um, put them in there and maybe get two pence back on, on a bottle or something? We it's used ecology. To, you, do you remember that? You used to be able to, to get a return deposit on a glass bottle. But no, no, no. Glass had to be done away with. So we got plastic bottles. But we spoke, about, we spoke about that, Ali, on the day talking many years back, didn't we? You will remember more than I do. It's, 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 <laughs> I, I, I'm just thinking, you know, we're talking about this saving the planet. And at the same time, we've got councils who who change their mind weekly on recycling. recycling they close recycling plants down. They, you know, they, it's, it's just, there's no... I, I understand where the protesters might be saying we need to get together and do this, we, 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 but we need a joint thinking, and we don't have that at the moment with the government and the politicians on this. That's, you're right. Ali, it's that's right. You you got it exactly. Correct. Have I got it? Oh, good, good. I'm glad I've you got, got it. You, hey, you've always got it every week. I know that. John, say goodbye. You're going. Thank you very much indeed. Right, uh, keep the calls coming in. Uh, let me go back to uh, a couple of comments on the the last subject we were talking about because we've still got comments coming in regarding autistic children. Uh, Jamie, thank you for getting in touch. He sent me uh, a text here. He says, "I grew up in Wales." I have quite a few issues, and my mum pushed to make sure I had every opportunity, but also got the help I needed. The only thing my school was willing to test me for was dyslexia. They refused to have me tested for anything else, and my mother fought tooth and nail. Even through secondary school, I had had almost no learning aids at all and had to rely on my friends to help me. It was only when I was in college that I was tested for everything. Jamie, we've been asking for experiences. Thank you very much indeed for that. And here's another one that comes in uh, on the autistic debates. Read the debate, should autistic children be in mainstream school? Here's another aspect. My grandson, who's not autistic, is seven years old, very intelligent and keen to learn. His lessons are frequently disturbed by the teacher having to give her full attention to two autistic boys in the class. Don't know what the answer is. Alison, thank you for that. I think somebody was, uh, one of our callers earlier said, you know, that the uh, one of the mums who had a, a, an autistic uh, child was saying that the teachers um, in a mainstream school like that are under so much pressure because of that. Just what you're saying, Alison. So you're giving the other side of it there that... Um, uh, children are, are, are indeed being neglected. But thank you for that. Uh, let's go to Aina. Hello, Aina. How are you? Good morning, Ali. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Easter to you. Thank you very much, um, and to you too. Um, I was saying to your colleague uh, a few years ago, uh, there was a similar programme on uh, the radio, so I phoned and I said, 
there was an expert on, and I asked, uh, could you ask the expert, I said, uh, if she thinks uh, that the copious amounts of wars that are raging around the planet, I said, uh, that bombs are getting exploded under our oceans, that uh, we've had nuclear disasters in Russia, Ukraine, Japan, and do this, does she think that these things are creating a change in the climate? Um, and um, yeah, waiting on. I didn't even get through to speak to the likes of the lady or um, get an answer right. because the thing is, these things, the planet is polluted, and it's polluted because these things have happened. But what's happened is the governments realise. So they said, well, what we'll do is we'll tell these people that their plastic bags and their plastic bottles and their running cars, so we'll blame them. So the planet is polluted. Nobody's, you can see it yourself, mm. the difference in the, but, um, you know, and the tree huggers, they're out there because they're getting brainwashed at school. Now, don't be throwing your plastic bottles in the wrong bin because the planet, the planet is polluted, but it's been polluted for many years, and it certainly wasn't us that polluted it. You just need to, to go back to um, a previous government who decided that um, petrol cars were the, the wrong uh-huh. thing and we should yeah. all go to diesel. Um, and, and and manufacturers spent millions and millions of pounds um, developing clean diesel yeah. cars. And now we've got a government saying, ah, well, we want rid of the diesels and we want to go electric, uh, electric and batteries and, and things. spent uh, trillions and trillions, Ali. And the thing is, they must now go through with this electric because the money that's been spent on it you know, there's no going back now. They've committed themselves. I watched a thing about Germany and, you know, talking. And, you know, they're all geared up for these electric cars. Now, in this day and age, when you've got a gadget, they've been sending men up and down to the, uh, into space. And that was another thing. It created uh, the global warming because when they started sending things up and the things that are beaming down, I mean, let's be honest, there must be an impact somewhere. But the thing is, the electric cars, they've spent them trillions and trillions of pounds on them, and they're not going to back down now. The gadgets that these people can make, and they tell you they can't make a clean fuel, well, I'm not a fool, and I don't believe it. Aina, thank you very much indeed with our thoughts on the the protesters and climate change in general. Willie, how are you? Good morning to you. Fine, Ali, fine. Um, basically, climate change. If I was 40, 50 years younger, I'd have been out in Edinburgh with those folks. I would have been causing as much problems as possible. Really? Yeah, the state of this planet is terrible. Um, you just have to look. All, all, the, 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 all around the world, we're losing the huge ways of ecological systems all over the planet. In the deepest parts of the ocean, they're finding fish with plastic inside them. I mean, we have destroyed the planet, basically, and we are leaving nothing for a future generation. Our generation has to stop doing this. 
for the sake of future generations. The the the, the, the if you look at the, at forecasts for the next fifty years, it's absolutely frightening. The rise in in the water levels, the land that will be lost, the ecology systems that will be lost, that are lost now. It's it's criminal, and if the only way to stop it is to uh, get in the way of people going to about their business, so be it. So be it. You can't sitting in a park, chanting, and as you say, smoking wee cigarettes that you've just rolled. That that does nothing. Interrupt traffic in Edinburgh, and you get noticed. Interrupt traffic in, in London, you get noticed. And I my my hats off to these young folk who are now sitting in cells because they had the guts to try and do something. Perhaps uh, I should have tried to do that 20, 30, 40 years ago. I'm looking uh, here, Willie, at a message that's come up on social media regarding this, and um, it's, uh, it's, it simply says, uh, David, David Attenborough has a lot to answer for. Why do people believe everything they see on the television? Is this where, <laughs> is this where you're getting all your facts and figures from, Willie? I get it from watching the news. I, I watched the Attenborough thing the other day, but I also watch the news every night. Huge fires in, in California. Uh, parts of Arkansas uh, are just shriveling up. There, uh, there are places all over the earth, lakes over in Russia that have dried up. Huge, huge inland seas that have dried up. I mean... The, the evidence is there, but people just refuse to look at it. And if it continues at this rate, we will have very serious social problems in 20, 30, 40 years. We have problems with refugees now trying to escape war, but when it comes to trying to, to escape the... Oh, we seem to have lost them. Oh, sorry, Willie, you've been cut off there. But um, uh, thank you. We got uh, the gist of of what you were talking about. Any? Anyway. Oh, Willie, you're back with us, right? Just finish up there, then, Willie. Well, I'm just saying that uh, yeah, more power to the elbow people that have time to change this because uh, it needs change now. End of. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, one in from Kath. She says, I share the concerns of climate campaigners as climate change should be a concern of everyone and especially our government and the world cannot afford to delay action. Although I agree with peaceful protests, however, where I don't agree is their methods bringing our cities around the UK to a standstill and concernedly affecting patients and NHS workers getting to hospital, uh, workers getting to their work in general, negatively affecting our economy and disrupting people going about their business. That's the views of Kath. Kath, thank you. Back on the phone lines and say good morning to Eric. Eric, good morning to you. Morning, Ali. Morning. Um, just to make uh, your, your listeners aware, there's been new fuels developed for the past 35, 40 years by Shell and Chevron. These fuels are not made from crude oil. They're made from natural gas. The emissions are dramatically reduced coming out the exhaust pipe, extremely massively reduced. The problem being, as far as I'm concerned, is that the government's and the companies do not want that fuel coming out because they're all into this electric thing now. But there's actually vehicles working in London that are using this new fuel. We've asked to get that fuel, but up to now, we're not getting it. Mm -hmm. 
You see, what concerns me about the electric side of things as well, Eric, is that mm. um, we are currently going through, as you correctly say, you know, the governments are, we're going electric. Um, we had our first minister a couple of years ago saying that these um, charging points are going to be all up the A9. You know, it's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. They're going to be all over yeah. the place. Um, then you get the electricity companies coming out and saying, no, they won't, because who's going to finance it? And there's not enough electricity generated to do that in the first place. So that shuts that down. So and well, I just... Actually, sorry. We're going to have to create, build three mega power stations to facilitate and cater for exactly what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're living in a multi with hundreds of houses, how many charging points are you going to have at the bottom of a multi or on a street? It's just, it's absolutely crazy. I'm just concerned in five, ten years' time, then we'll be in another diesel situation where, well, actually, we have to find something else because um, we, we can't sustain this electricity. Plus, of course, it doesn't matter whether it's, you know, every vehicle on the road is causing um, problems in some way or others. I mean, the batteries uh, cause problems in the plants that they're built and then yeah. trying to get rid of them. So, so what can, do you think can be done then as far as, you're saying the fuel is there, is being used, and the pressure... When you say you, we have been asking for these fuels to be made available, who's we? Well, in the taxi trade in Dundee, for one. Right. Um, the, the only distributors in, in, in the whole of the UK is a company called Certus Energy of Liverpool. Now, we've been in contact with them as well, but up to now we've had no response. And it seems a bit cloak and dagger stuff. Why the people are not getting access to the fuels? They've already, they've already a long time ago, built engines. If you're aware that 75% of a gallon of fuel goes down the exhaust and wasted energy, well, these engines are totally efficient. The problem they had is these engines were doing 100 miles to the gallon, estimated. Right. Governments and, and companies didn't want those engines out there. So are you, uh, you mentioned the taxi trade in Dundee, are you in the taxi trade in Dundee? Yeah, I think I spoke to you years ago, Ali. I know we didn't know. It's coming to mind now. So do you drive, I mean, Dundee is, what, the biggest city in Scotland for electric taxis? Do you drive one of them? Well, well yeah, but what they're actually saying is, uh, now financing these vehicles, I drive a London cab. Now, and I'd obviously, like, uh, what as long as passing as a mission test, all the time, every time, the problem I've got is if I had to renew that London cab, I'm needing 80,000 quid. Mm-hmm. And the price of these electric vehicles to put on taxis, the smaller ones are just not reliable enough. They haven't got the range. You couldn't take anybody to St Andrews and back sometimes or Perth or wherever, Edinburgh Airport, wherever. They haven't got it there yet. I mean, it'll probably come, but it's not there yet. OK, Eric, thank you very much indeed for your view uh, on that. Uh, keep those calls coming in, of course. O treble three twenty twenty four oh one. If you have just joined us earlier on, one of our subjects we were talking about was autistic children and um, being taken into... Uh, we had the story of, of Stephanie Ross, uh, who's a mum uh, from Glenrothes, has a four-year-old son, Struan, who has severe autism. And she had applied to get him a place at a specialist unit within five, but that request has been turned down because education bosses think he should have access to bigger groups. Stephanie's um, told us that that's not the case as far as she's concerned. So we've been talking about that as well. Uh, and that's what Isabella wants to talk about. 
Good morning. Good morning. Hi there. Yes, um, the discussion's been very interesting, but it it has actually really been kind of one-sided, all from the parents' point of view. Mm -hmm. And I thought it would be quite um, enlightening to maybe hear from the point of view of someone who worked in education for many, many years. And it's in in a large secondary school, and it's very difficult for the staff in the secondary school to accommodate, deal with, um, youngsters who have autism or any other physical um, problems. Um, it, it obviously, it, it's done, and the schools do it gladly and do the very best they can. But it is—it's a huge, huge impos- not imposition, but it's—it's it, difficult and it, it takes resources away from other other youngsters. And I just thought that really the, to sort of balance up the the discussion, someone who'd worked in education might—you know—my point of view. Might mm-hmm. be might be quite valuable to say that. Of course, you want the best for every youngster, but um, youngsters with autism, with other physical disabilities, they do put quite a strain on a large comprehensive school. But you can understand some of the parents. Oh, that we, you know, I, we've had, a, and you must have experienced them yourselves, who <clears throat> who dig their heels in and say, "I want the best for my child." Absolutely. And as one mum said, "I don't care about your your <laughs> your schools and your budgets yeah, and yeah. You, you know what you want to achieve as far as uh, exam results are concerned. I want what's best for my son." Of course, of course, and there's there's no way that you can argue against that. <clears throat> but all I'm saying is, <clears throat> excuse me, um, it's. It does put quite a, a large burden onto a mainstream secondary school to to accommodate that. But of course, you understand and you do the best that you possibly can. And I know that um, schools do manage marvelously well, um, but it is quite a big burden on them. Mm. What about the the view of one of the? Uh, I'm looking for it here. The text that I got in. Um, the fact. Oh yeah, it was Alison who said talking about her grandson who's seven. And, and actually saying, you know, lessons are frequently disrupted by the teacher having to give her full attention to two autistic boys in the class. So her grandson is not getting the education that he should be getting because the teachers are, are being drawn away all the yeah. time. Yeah, that, that's absolutely true. That is true. Um, and obviously, <laughs> having been in education, I've had parents who've said exactly the same to me, being concerned about the fact that their youngsters don't seem to be getting the attention that they need and deserve because of other youngsters with special needs in the, in the mainstream classroom who are taking up all the attention, not all, but a lot mm. of the attention from the, the class teacher. Yeah. OK, Isabella, tomorrow morning you get a phone call from the First Minister saying you're in, char- you're in charge of education. What, what would you do about it? Well, John Swinney's bum's at the door and you are responsible for it. John Swinney's bum. I would kick his. Jo- I would kick John Swinney's bum. That's what I would do. Why? Because I don't think that he's doing the right thing for education in Scotland at the moment. I don't think the curriculum for excellence is delivering as it as as the, as was promised. Um, the the thing about the P1 testing is an absolute nonsense. He's pushing that through despite what the teachers are saying about it. It's a a political agenda. It's a box that he wants to tick, and he's not listening to what other people are saying, especially experts in the schools it's something similar with the named person isn't it oh heavens that's ridiculous as well he wants to just it doesn't (laughs) matter how many people tell him and tell um the first minister this is wrong and people don't want Mm -hmm, it mm -hmm, they've got a box they want to to tick tick. and and i agree with you on that i've brought that up several times um and i just don't understand why they can't say 
we've got this one wrong, let's stack back from it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's absurd. It really is. Despite you know, he's not listening at all um, to what people say. He's he's just ignoring it because as well, he want he wants to push this through. He wants a, a box ticked, and and that's it. And it's it's absolutely ridiculous. So if he came to my door, I would kick his bum and tell him that. Okay, thank you very much indeed. <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. Bye bye now. Bye bye. Bye bye. Uh, right, uh, Mr. Swinney. Of course, as always, the invitation is there for you to join us on Scotland's Talk. And if you would like to answer uh, some of the, the the questions from from parents across Scotland and education, and don't worry, John, you would be in the studio. She wouldn't get to you. Um, okay, let's have a look about talking about government ministers. Last week, you may remember, we had House Secretary Jean Freeman taking your calls, and one of the topics which came up was the scandal around NHS Tayside. We'll talk about that in a moment. Scotland's Talking, the podcast. If you were listening to Scotland's Talking last Sunday, you may remember we had Health Secretary Jean Freeman taking your calls. And one of the topics which came up was the scandal around the NHS in Tayside treating women with breast cancer with lower doses of chemotherapy. And specifically the closure of a helpline for those affected after just one week. Here's what Jean Freeman said when I brought to her attention that this phone line had been closed. That's wrong that families should feel like that and that women should feel like that. And if that helpline has been closed uh, after only one week, then uh, as soon as this programme's finished, I'm going to ask for it to be reopened. And just over a day later, there was a U-turn from NHS Tayside, who announced the helpline will remain open for another two weeks. We've also had the publication of an independent review, which found its use of lower dosages of chemotherapy increased patient risk and that women weren't told about it. Chief Medical Officer Dr Catherine Calderwood gave us her response to that. We understand that the oncologists in, in Tayside were not aware that they were giving a dose that was not standardised across Scotland. So they have now changed that practice and there will be an enhanced consent process. It is regrettable that women uh, were not aware of this and the fully informed consent that I would expect was not given to them. I can absolutely understand that women who hear that they got a lower dose would ask, why was I not given the choice of a different regime? And that is, um, going forward, that is what will happen. What will happen for those concerned women is that they are have increased opportunities to be seen and monitored so that these very minimal risks of breast cancer recurrence can be picked up at the earliest opportunity. But I'd emphasise that these risks are small. Chief Medical Officer Dr Catherine Calderwood, NHS Tayside says it's adjusted the treatment to make sure patients are offered the same as those in the rest of Scotland. Lee Dennis uh, came on last week and put questions to the Health Secretary. Um, so what does she think of the response since our programme? Lee, good morning to you and welcome back. Good morning, thank you. Um, what I would say is that helpline is a bit of a misnomer. The call gets put through to the health information line and their role is purely to take contact information and pass it back to NHS Tayside to then make future contact with the caller. So whilst that's an expedient way for NHS Tayside to gather information on who wants to be seen, 
more thought should have been given to identifying psychological support services, um, particularly considering their public statements asserted that this was a, quote, distressing time for patients and families. So even the suggestion to see one's GP if this was causing distress would have been better than nothing. Um, there are also many support lines offered by the third sector. So even identifying just one would have been advantageous because, I mean, we see even with television programs with distressing subject matter, um, they'll identify support services in relation to that. But really, I think the broader issue here is that fully informed consent and patient-centered care, as Ms. Freeman stated, are at the backbone of the NHS. The, HS, the HIS report, rather, and the government risk assessment need further exploration. And we await the Royal College of Physicians report at the end of this month quite keenly. Um, the last thing I would say about the line is that it should not have been closed initially mm-hmm. um, after just one week. And I suppose that's really uh, a historic learning point for NHS Tayside at this point. I think I think uh, the health minister was quite shocked when she found the uh, when I mentioned it to her the line had mm-hmm. been closed uh, and she yeah. did, she she did say she was going out to get it sorted and she did the next day so I mean w- at least that is as a move forward but um, but in many ways this this whole um, episode should really not have of arisen in the first place should it. No, indeed not. Um, and we are very grateful to Jean Freeman for taking a leadership role on this and reinstating the helpline because, as she had stated, there were some families that had yet to come forward or possibly to arrange their own appointments. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think that within the remit of NHS Tayside, um, reinstating the helpline was indeed the right move. Um, but possibly more thought could have been given to what they wanted to offer concretely in terms of support to those affected. And no doubt that's something that um, you will be keeping an eye on and, and will come back to us and let us know if there is, is more that needs done, Lee. Most certainly. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed for joining us uh, this morning again. Uh, one in from Anne, and Anne says, I welcome that Jean Freeman has kept her word and reopened the phone line in Tayside for breast cancer patients. Um, that she made the commitment she made on the programme last week. But on Scotland's token, the majority of calls last week highlighted concerns about NHS waiting times and delays to people's treatment. And I would hope that she will endeavour to also provide funding to reduce waiting times as we have people who are suffering due to their extraordinary waits for treatment. If allowed an animal to suffer, would be prosecuted. That comes from Anne, who's talking about, as I say, the amount of time that people were waiting. And um, she, she did take up that point, uh, the Health Minister, last week as well. So thank you for that. Thank you very much indeed for uh, all your calls today and texts and emails and tweets, etc. as well. Uh, Sean says, on Twitter, the protests are over the clear lack of government and societal protection of all life on earth. Thank you for that. And also, Norma says on my Facebook, the disruption caused during organised protests by the great unwashed, or tree huggers, as you call them. I didn't. Someone else did. Um, doesn't say I disagree. Is nothing compared to the disruption caused by tsunamis, typhoons, tornadoes, fires, freezes, landslides, etc., etc., created by extreme weather due to climate change. Just ask the people whose lives and environments have been affected by them. They cannot go back to normal the next day. Norma, thank you very much indeed for that. And uh, one that says, from Sally, says, um, there you go again, um, protecting the motorist. 
I'm not protecting the motorist. I'm just saying I don't agree with car drivers and motorists being given all the blame for it. And I've, I, I don't, you know, apologise for it. I enjoy motoring. I am a motorist. I enjoy driving. I'm a motoring journalist. So, yes, you know, maybe I've got a wee bit of a biased view there. But um, that's what it's about. It's all about opinions on this programme. And thank you very much indeed for giving me yours today on the subjects that we covered, whether it have been uh, your calls or texts regarding uh, children going, autistic children going into mainstream schooling um, or indeed the uh, the health board that we're talking about last week who also had quite a few comments on that uh, lots of comments on the climate change today uh, thank you to my guests if you missed any of the programme you can catch it up on the podcast on the station website just pump it or wherever you get your podcast just pop in there and you can catch some of the programme thank you very much indeed for your company <laughs>